Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. It is your local community radio station and thank you very much to all of those of you who subscribed during Radiothon uh, earlier this month. Over 1,500 of you in all helping to keep um, independent and community-controlled media on the air. Good on you all and I look forward to another year of sharing this wonderful station with all of you. If you are a subscriber, you are a part of this station just like I am. My name's Andy and I'll be with you for the next hour. I'm coming to you this week from Injilanji and Didanu land in northwest Queensland, town of Camelwheel. Um, I've had a few tech issues but uh, still managing to record radio on the road thanks to the wonders of modern technology. Today on the show we are going to be talking about the Land Forces Weapons Industry Conference. What is the Land Forces Weapons Industry Conference you ask? Well it is coming up in Brisbane from the 4th to the 6th of October and it is a gathering of some of the countries and the world's biggest weapons manufacturers to uh, network, cut some deals, um, showcase their wares. I'll read you the one of the little spiels on the website. Land Forces 2022 will be a powerful forum for key decision makers from throughout the region, enabling government representatives, defence officials, military procurement managers and senior army officers to network with defence material manufacturers, equipment suppliers and service providers. The bit they don't mention in there is that all their products are designed to kill people and bring death and destruction, cause immense environmental destruction. Um, that's why it's up to the activists to bring up that bit. And so there is a group called Disrupt Land Forces that formed last year around the same conference um, and had quite a successful uh, few days of disrupting the Land Forces conference last year. Unfortunately, not enough to put it out of action for 2022. So we will be back again. And today on the show, I spoke with Margie Pastorius, who is one of the organisers of Disrupt Land Forces, a bit about what happens at Land Forces, why should we, we disrupt it, and what's going to be going on. 
I'm also, last year I recorded a whole heap of interviews with people who in various ways are researching the arms industry and everything that it does. Um, so often we're just given this kind of propaganda side of things, even uh, the word defense, you know, it's always defense this, defense that. Um, there just aren't very many invasions of Australia that Australia has had to defend itself from. Uh, most of these weapons are either used for nothing other than um, filling the pockets of the arms companies or they're used in invading other countries. Um, but all kinds of things like that. So people have been researching and one of them is Michelle Fay, excellent investigative journalist. And I spoke to her about the revolving door of personnel between the arms industry and government and uh, high up public service in military positions in this country. It's some very interesting research she has done and if you stick around you will get to hear it. So hang about and let's start off with my chat with Margie Pastorius. I'm Margie Pastorius and I'm with the organisation Wage Peace and we're looking at disrupting militarism in Australia, the rise of militarism, especially with the weapons corporations here. Yes, well, quite topical talking about weapons corporations because in Brisbane in uh, six weeks or so there will be a convergence of weapons corporations called Land Forces. Can you tell us about it? Well, it's a massive weapons exhibition and there's a gathering of arms dealers or people would be arms dealers there's a lot of money around for arms dealers at the moment so everybody gathers in brisbane to sell what they've got but mainly to try and get as much money out of the government as they can for uh, either real projects or fake projects so the money's sloshing around they all gather there in the brisbane convention center they make deals um it's about 30 billion a year at the moment that they're transiting around themselves. 30 billion dollars a year, uh, quite a lot of money. And so, I mean, what kind of corporations are we talking about that are gathering here at Land Forces? The biggest weapons corporations in the world will be there. Uh, many from the top 100, but definitely many from the top 20. Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, the big American ones, Boeing. Boeing has a special rela a relationship with the Queensland government, of course, um, but also the German company Rheinmetall, which also has a special a relationship with uh, the Queensland government, and companies such as Thales, a French weapons company. But they, what happens is they get the money from the government and then they disperse it to smaller, to a set of smaller um, enterprises. So all of those small enterprises all wanting a bit of a cut of the cake, they'll be there as well. They're, you know, small Australian companies that get a contract doing a, a part of a job for Ryan Mattal or BAE or Lockheed Martin or something. That's right. Those big companies, they get the sort of overall tender for a, a new tank or a, a, a jet fighter or a ship and then they then divide it up into smaller companies. Actually, mostly they divide it amongst themselves first, and then after they divide it amongst themselves, they then divide it up to smaller and smaller companies. Another company that's quite notable, I think, is Naya, which is an Australian company, Brisbane-based. Um, it's 
uh, it, it made it sort of, uh, it managed to grow itself quite rapidly by getting a tender for all the police guns in Australia, for importing all the police guns in Australia. And now it's sort of moving into the missile sort of arena, which is the fastest sort of booming area in Australia. Hopefully not for the cops, the missiles. Well, I think, no, I think they're, they're, they're sort of, they've moved, the cops were their jump up. They're sort of, you know, how they grew their business and now they're moving into military. You know, so, you know they've got getting defence contracts in the military. Okay, well, I mean, police guns has been a topic of its own um, in recent times, especially uh, following the, the death um, of... Kamenjai Walker and Ewan Demu, there's talk about the use of police firearms. So, I mean, that's one way that weapons have come up in our discussions, public discussions about justice and freedom and things like that. But, um, I mean, overall, what are, why should we resist something like the Land Forces Conference? Well, for a start, it's, just a, it's a huge waste of money. Uh, there's a lot of, there's so much money, you have to have some corruption with that money. You see a normalisation of militarism. You see a push to sort of normalise militarism across all the social sectors, including schooling and education, university. You get a push by the arms dealers to take over, um, you know, elements of the university. You know, the best paid positions at the moment at the universities are where you have the weapons companies, the engineering companies sort of moving in for high-level technology. Uh, but really, and, and, then, and then you get the actual ethical issues of where they're rolling out the actual violence. So that some of it's for money on one hand, but on the other hand, they are rolling out violence. So they are arming cops, for example, but they're also arming, uh, for example, the Il Indonesian military. Um, and you get you get the sort of the 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 objects um, that are actually being used, such as the transport vehicles, tanks, the attack helicopters. And small arms, a lot of small arms. So they're moving uh, company, countries like Indonesia are buying those from the corporations. The corporations are in the offices of the ministers in, these, in most of the, uh, the states. They're pushing these weapons um, and buying, getting huge tenders, huge contracts. Um, and then they're being used in a place like West Papua to actually take control of the indigenous lands, uh, dispossess indigenous tribes, deforest those lands so they're at the front the military is at the front of the enforcement of the extraction the colonial extraction um, and so if we're going to peel back colonial uh, colonization and decolonize we're going to have to deal with this this pointy edge of militarization which enforces extraction enforces land stealing enforces the dispossession of first nations people hmm. Yeah, there's sort of two ends here, isn't there? One is the, the front line end of the weapons industry, which is where the weapons get used and trying to keep that in attention while people are talking about just trade show jargon about products and things like that, bring attention to where the weapons are used. But there's also the kind of back end of like the political corruption, the personnel revolving door and the, um, the lobbying of the arms industry and things like that in Australian politics. Yeah, one of the ways they explain it is it's one of the only places where the money goes directly from government to contractor because the governments are, are the um, 
the dealers, you know, they're the de they've got the defence department. So the money just comes straight in from, for example, the fossil fuel industry, where they do, even though they say they don't pay tax, they do get a lot of money out of the fossil fuel industry. And then that money then has to be used somewhere, so they, they push it out through the arms industry. So that's the sort of the money, the dirty dealing, the ridiculously large uh, projects that don't ever really start or never get underway or have big failures, then those um, vehicles and uh, objects don't ever get used. For example, jet fighters haven't been used since that 1950s, last time they were used, early 1950s in Korea. But we've had a whole, we've bought fleets and fleets of them between the 1950s and now that have never been used as jet fighters. So there's these ridiculous pro programs from the, that assist the transfer of large amounts of cash into the private arena. But as you said, we've also got these areas where the weapons do get used, but mostly they're small arms, transporters, tanks, um, you know, military vehicles and attack helicopters, drones getting used, drones get used for surveillance and finding people, then they get used themselves to drop bombs on people and target people, target missiles. Um, so, you know, so we do have a group of people who are victimised, directly victimised, and mostly that's First Nations people first, but also people standing up in their own countries for justice, for civil resistance, you know, uh, you know, in many of the global south um, are being targeted by their own states uh, with these weapons. Weapons for all occasions. And everyone got excited about the technology. And I guess it was pretty incredible watching a missile fly down an air vent. Pretty unbelievable. But couldn't we feasibly use that same technology to shoot food at hungry people? This one is dedicated to the suit-wearing arms dealers. To the champagne-sipping depleted uranium droppers. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone First in my scope is BAE systems Specialize in killing people from a distance Power is a drug and they feed the addiction Immediate deletion of people's existence Who says what isn't, what isn't legitimate resistance To push these buttons, you don't need a brave heart State of the art darts leave more than your face guard You might impress an A&R with your fake bars Cause you probably think Rolls Royce only make cars This is for the colonizers, turn bomb providers Take this beef all the way back to Oppenheimer They call it warfare but your wars aren't fair If they were to be suicide bombers in Arms fairs are scam for the funds, they will mangle your son If you try to speak out, they will stamp on your tongue To your land they will come, till you stand up as one is begun Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone Next in my scope is Lockheed Martin They will tell you when the bombs need blasting Don't think, just listen to the songs, keep dancing Do they really want us to have our own brains? Who do you think is really running Guantanamo Bay? And it might be sensitive 
but I'll mention it Who do you think's got us filling out the censuses? Who do you think is handing out the sentences? This ain't the BBC, so there's no censorship Heard of many mercenaries getting with the clever pimp Not a gun seller, but none's better than Eric Prince Make money off many things, mainly his crime This one is dedicated to the Raytheon 9 On a scam for the funds, they will mangle your son If you try to speak out, they will stamp on your tongue To your land, they will come till you stand up as one It's begun Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone Keep your hand on your gun Don't you trust anyone On the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ, that song you just heard is Loki with Hand on Your Gun. That one coming to you courtesy of my wife, Beck, who put it on the other day. Very topical one for what we're talking about, uh, with shout-outs to a few of the biggest arms companies in that song, and they will be in Brisbane from the 4th to the 6th of October for Land Forces. Uh, Weapons Expo. I've been speaking with Margie Pastorius about what Land Forces is and why people are getting together to disrupt it. Let's go back to that. Back to Land Forces. It's a convergence of 100 or more weapons uh, industry companies um, in Brisbane at the Convention Centre. Now, last year it this happened and there was a big resistance to it, organised by Disrupt Land Forces. Um, I guess, do you want to Talk, talk a bit about what happened last year. Yeah, well, we our idea is to disrupt it enough so that they don't come back. They don't come back to this community. Hopefully they won't come back to any community. Uh, but we're making sure they don't come back to this community. They're not wanted here. They're not welcome. So there's a sense that we're going to make things unpleasant and make them feel unwelcome. And we're going to find different ways of doing that. But, you know, that's not that nice. So we also have to find ways that... Um, that keep us connected and make sure that we're having enough of a good time to keep doing it because we have to be fairly persistent. So we'll gather quite a few days before it starts. We'll look at how we can disrupt uh, the bumping, how we can disrupt the vehicles going in and the setup, the, the big tanks going in, the trucks, food, all the stuff that goes into a big conference centre. We'll also be having a sort of almost like a festival of ideas. We want to tell the stories of Radical Brisbane. We think there's not it's not um, a surprise that this is happening, this sort of resistance is happening in Brisbane because Brisbane has such a strong history of, of radical resistance. Um, and we're drawing on that. We're drawing on the community of that. We're drawing on the memories of that. And we want to tell those stories. And we want to bring people together. We want to remember that this uh, city was militarised. Aboriginal people here were militarised. And... Uh, we want, you know, we want to tell those stories, but we want to tell them in a way that's also disruptive. So we want to find ways of also making the people who are attending um, unwelcome and having a, a really, uh, you know, a horrible time, a smelly time, a noisy time, a time where people just tell them you are not welcome in this town. So there'll be a mixture of different sorts of tactics. We've got some unwelcome clowns, unwelcoming clowns, you know, or we might have um, other people who are actually trying to stop vehicles going in. Uh, they're the sort of things that we did last year, and I imagine those are the sorts of things that will pop up again this year. Mm. Some things are the same this year. I mean, it's going to be in the same venue at the convention centre. Um, 
and I guess a lot of the companies will be the same and a lot of the groups that are getting together to be part of Disrupt Land Force is probably the same. Are there things that will have changed between last year and this year? Well, I think there'll probably be more international visitors because the international borders are open. So they did have international visitors last year, but they, my guess is most of them came through the embassies um, and people were travelling, like rich people and government people were travelling. But my guess is we'll have more visitors from overseas this year than we had last year. Um, you know, this, each of the states are buying, each of the states are trying to sell. So, um, uh, and they do that both in partnership with the, their corporations. So I think that that's one thing I'd see different. Um, but you know, Andy, what we're wanting is, especially for the people of Brisbane to come down, it's quite a, it's quite a long time. It'll be over seven days. The, the conference itself is only three days, but we like to prepare people so that by the time we start, people are ready, they know what they're doing, and they're connected and having fun, and um, they know what sort of things are going to suit them to, to participate. And participating is both creative, we want people to come down with creative arts, creative music, um, uh, creative theatre sort of, and uh, but we're ordinary people just trying to take back space in the streets of South Brisbane and make sure that these South Brisbane streets are not taken up by the arms industry for its dirty business. Mm. The um, militarism and the weapons industry and the army, I guess, have a lot of propaganda on their side. Um, just look at the most popular movie this year is, um, you know, all about the Air Force and whatever. And, of course, cultural and as well as advertising and things like that. But Land Forces, there's not so much public discourse around it. Um, is it does the government and the industry, do they try to keep it quiet or are they trying to promote it to the public? What's going on there? I reckon it's there that people are just not looking at it. So it this is one of the amazing things about Australia is we, we go through life with our blinkers on and we don't look at things that we find uncomfortable or difficult or that we don't want to know about. And I think um, it's a bit like the climate crisis. Long, for a long time, people didn't want to look at it because it was too painful to own up to what was going on. And then you get through that you get through that period and then you're like, all right, let's do something about it. I think we're going to be going through that period with the weapons industry for a while. I, I know that for me to go and look at what was going on, it's not hard to find. You just have to um, subscribe to a couple of military magazines and they tell you every day, you get a media release every day about a deal that's being done or a contract being signed. It's all in plain of where they're putting that information. It's not hard to find. I don't think they're hiding it. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, specialist, if you like. It's specialist sort of information. So we look, we, we want people to go and look and start to not be avoidant and expose yourself and just notice what's going on because it's pretty, it's, it can be a little frightening, but we're finding we're getting wins. I mean, even last week there was a STEM uh, education and defence conference in South Brisbane and we put pressure on one of the presenters, which was which was a which is a quite a large um, community organisation that was presenting there on some work that it does with drones. I won't say the name of the organisation, but they did pull out, and um, we found that you know if people actually put them under the gaze and under a community gaze and say, what are you doing with weapons corporations? What are you doing presenting at a conference that's sponsored by a weapons corporation? Um, for weapons business and 
you know, they'll pull out because they know it's the wrong thing to be doing. Mm. All right, well, if people are interested in Disrupt Land Forces, how can they find out more info and potentially get involved? We have a terrific site at disruptlandforces.org. We're just saying how it is. That's what we're doing. We're disrupting land forces, the weapons exhibition. So disruptlandforces.org. You can go there and there's a couple of different places you can sign up to participate. Come to our public meeting. We've got a public meeting on the 10th of September and it's going to be a great public meeting drawing connections to the history of this town, the Aboriginal history and the way surveillance, incarceration and militarisation have continued to subject Aboriginal people over time and um, and the way that uh, non-First Nations people have been caught up in a sort of a pretense about that. So we need to, it's about sort of opening ourselves to these ideas and to come along to that and get to know us. There's lots of places that you can join. You don't have to be right down there in the thick of things. We've got a great kitchen group. We've got um, lots of crafting happening and music. You know, there'll be a place for you, whatever you're interested in. All right. Thanks very much, Margie. Thanks, Andy. And learn the lessons Lessen the pain for my people in the trenches War on the senses Can we ever end this? When their intent is more than expensive Justice suspended We, we don't consent Killing and surrenders with more border fences War on our bodies and our spirit and our lenses For their agenda but we won't surrender Oceans polluted, recruited for their endless but senses War Call them out Blood money EOS and Albert Hell, making a killing, exporting terror. We're out here, we're gonna end it. Forest, our lives are not for profit. You'll never defeat 
On the paradigm shift on Fortable Z, that song you just heard is Jangan Bunu Kamilagi, translates as Stop Killing Us, a bit of a anthem for West Papuans uh, in the firing line from the Indonesian military and also from big arms manufacturers who, like Ryan Matal, who are providing weapons for the Indonesian military and who also will be at the Land Forces Convention in Brisbane in at the start of October. That song actually written specifically for Land Forces last year by Zelda Dar, featuring also their Izzy Brown and Elf Transporter from Combat Wombat and Poro Ribby and probably a few other people who happened to be around the studio and joined in on the chorus. Um, before that, I was speaking with Margie Pastorius about Land Forces. Um, there is a big gathering of people plan to match the gathering of weapons companies uh, to say our city is not to be used for buying and selling instruments of death. Um, we don't want our convention center uh, used for this and we don't want our public funds going towards this and so that's what Disrupt Land Force is all about. If you are interested in finding out more about it, um, you can go to the website disruptlandforces.org and find out uh, how you can get involved. Now, last year around Land Forces Exposition, I tried to uh, interview a few people of what I called the anti-militarist intelligentsia in Australia, people that are putting a lot of work into researching um, what goes on between arms companies and military and I guess the development of new technology and all these kinds of things. Uh, one of them was Michelle Fay, who I spoke to about the revolving door of personnel between the arms industry and the government and the military and our intelligence organisations. Um, of course, it's been quite topical recently about sort of minor level government corruption to do with appointments of personnel with John Barillaro's trade appointments and things like that. Well, this stuff goes on all the time and the arms industry is one of the worst offenders. And Michelle's done a lot of research into it. So I spoke to her about it. Let's have a listen. My name's Michelle Fay. I'm an independent researcher and writer looking at uh, the arms trade in Australia, but basically weapon makers and their relationships into government and the military and politics. You have worked on a project that you've called Revolving Doors. Um, between the, the weapons industry and the government. Can you tell us what you mean by this phrase, revolving door? Yes, it's um, a concept that refers to the relationship that occurs between big corporations and government. And it's the transfer of staff. So say we might have the defence minister or otherwise staffers in public service or senior military who 
are offered senior positions after they retire from public life within industry, so within the weapon making uh, companies. So that's one way the door revolves out, taking people from public life into private industry. And then it often works the other way as well, where you'll have people who are coming from private industry into government or other areas. Mostly it's about government because it's about the cultivation of relationships between big corporations and government and the effect that that has on public policy. So then there's an assumption that this affects what government contracts being put out, uh, government policies, how does the revolving door affect our democracy and our government policies? Well, in a broad sense, it's about what gets called the undue influence of wealthy or large corporate interests on public policy. So it's not only in the military industry, um, you see it in Australia, particularly in mining, fossil fuels, banking, so all the large industries that can have their profits and business activities constrained by government would want to have relationships uh, with government to ensure that their interests aren't constrained. So it can have impacts across a whole range of things, being legislation that's favourable to industrial objectives, um, also the awarding of contracts, jobs, you know, within the network. There's all sorts of ways um, that corporations might seek to influence their interests with government. So it can be um, across any of those areas. Transparency International and other people have done work on, a lot of work on this area about revolving door and just the undue influence that um, corporations can bring to bear on government. Um, and in fact, those two things, revolving door and undue influence, they say combined are markers for corruption. But the thing to note about that is it's not actually um, criminal behaviour or illegal. The whole thing about revolving door, undue influence is it's all perfectly legal. So if you like, and, and a few people have started calling it this, it's kind of a legalised sort of corruption of democracy where um, corporates can have this huge influence, um, but it's actually not illegal. The revolving door of personnel between the corporate world and the government world happens in a lot of different sectors and it's a problem in all of them, but there are things particularly about the weapons industry that make this even more of a concern, aren't there? Uh, yes, the personal relationships between government and weapons-making firms, particularly the global arms giants, the top 10 companies, are a cause for concern because they really have international implications. Um, there's a real problem with the weapons industry having a large influence on government policy because basically what it boils down to is warfare is good for their business. I mean, it's a business that profits from 
war, bombs being dropped and bloodshed. And if they're having a large influence on government, stoking fears, promoting unrest, it's in their interest to promote military solutions to international conflict rather than diplomacy. So the ramifications of the sort of relationships that go on in this sector, you know, have life and death consequences quite literally for people on the planet. And the weapon industry doesn't have a particularly great track record when it comes to business ethics or things like that, does it? (laughs) Uh, No, Uh, that's, that's the short answer. There's been some interesting research done in the past by Transparency International, which um, says that this industry, the weapons industry, accounts for 40% of the corruption in global trade. So even though it's by numbers and volume, it accounts for 1% or less than 1% of world trade, the amount of corruption it accounts for is 40%. It's because the industry is so secretive, uh, governments are able to claim national security and commercial incompetence type excuses, two excuses we hear constantly in Australia as excuses for not um, making information public. So that sort of blanket secrecy that covers the industry enables all sorts of things to go on out of the public eye and obviously, therefore, the level of corruption increases when there's no transparency. So can you tell us some examples of the revolving door between the government and the arms industry, maybe some of the the personnel that have exchanged places and maybe some of the... Um, contracts or policies that you could point to as maybe being influenced by that? Yeah, there's um, actually, it's a huge issue. It's quite underreported. We get a few high-level examples. So probably um, you will have heard of former defence ministers like Brendan Nelson, Christopher Pine, that end up you know, leaving as Defence Minister and going off into industry jobs. And certainly that's a major issue and there's two examples right there. But it's also very prevalent in Australia and and hardly mentioned, but it also works across senior military um, moving into the weapons industry as well. Um, Also senior intelligence, um, former senior intelligence officials so, well, I've already said um, Brendan Nelson, who he went from being Defence Minister. He also worked in the War Memorial for many years. Then now he's the president of Boeing, Australia, New Zealand and Asia Pacific. Christopher Pine probably <laughs> is the most recent one and he's got various weapons industry interests going on now as well as his own lobbying firm. BAE is another very large weapon maker in Australia. A former chief of the Defence Force, Mark Binskin, is associated. He has a role with them. It's not exactly clear because uh, there's not much public information, but um, he does work with BAE. In term, BAE is a good example in terms of the reverse revolving door because um, the person that used to be the CEO of BAE in Australia. Jim McDowell actually became very had a good relationship with Christopher Pine, and when he when Jim McDowell resigned from BAE, um, he subsequently got a lot of government positions. And at one stage, he was the most senior public servant in South Australian government. 
Uh, now he's moved back into industry. So that's another example. Um, Tales is another one. Duncan Lewis joined their board. He was the head of ASIO. Uh, he, he was actually incredible. This is quite scandalous, his one, and it got very little coverage in the media in Australia. He was the head of ASIO. He was also very senior in the military prior to that, um, head of special forces. Um, also the Secretary of the D Department of Defence, Kevin Rudd's National Security Advisor, and five months after leaving as the head of ASIO, he is on the Tales um, board. So, yeah, there's a few examples. There are many, many, many examples, <laughs> but um, there's a few for you. And all these arms companies are getting big government contracts, um, potentially influencing military strategy and university courses, things like this? They're, yes, so all the global arms giants um, have now have subsidiaries in Australia. They all receive billions of dollars in contracts from the Australian Defence Department and the government. It's a huge spending area, defence, in Australia. So there's a massive amount of money that flows from government into industry. Particularly at the moment, the government is um, engaged in a build-up of our military capability and has committed to spending $270 billion um, building up that capability. That's in addition to the normal defence budget. So it's, it's a massive spending area. Um, so this, certainly the revolving door and all sorts of other ways uh, that industry can influence government is having a big impact. Say the least, it traverses over borders through lines of the police. It's bigger than the oil, it's a military dream. It's politicians propping up another sick regime. Now the people are against it till they show it in the streets. They're met with tons of tear, got some pick up some tapes. The bigger that they grow, the harder it will get. Their pockets fill up further with every terror threat. Still we lie down on our stomachs, playing into the charade. Lifting glasses in a toast to every bombing raid. It's bigger than a war. It's bigger than a war. It's bigger than a war, it's an economic game A battle for the power, wealth, and the atomic gain It's a private profit mission for the elite few It's clearer than the lives that we can see right through And turn we riot in the streets and shut the city down When they meet inside their fortress while we try to tear them down Police bring the cannons out to keep the war going Throwing cuffs under the people with the prisons overflowing The poor are housing ghettos so they cannot stand a chance Your vote doesn't count unless you buy it in advance It's bigger than a war It's bigger than a war Bigger than a war by a striking height You can smell it in the air in the dead of night It's coming through the screen of the TV news When they fill your head with lies, try to change your views The same corporations that make the weaponry Are telling you what matters and what you need to believe While they profit from the deaths of the young lion dead Sticking money in the pockets of some lion fed The starving at this place can rot away Another child's mother was shot today It's bigger than a war It's bigger than a war bigger than a war, it's the whole damn plan Vietnam, lost Indonesia, Iraq, Afghanistan Let the truth be told, they ain't in it for the people It's a matter of protection for the pocket or the steeple Don't be fooled by their words or their remedies Send your kids to die in battle while they train their enemies Open markets, open fire, it's the same thing Forcing poverty upon us in the interest of the king Let it be known forever that this world is free Stand up and fight back at those who take that right away It's bigger than a war It's bigger than a war 
bigger than a war, it's a day-to-day Capitalism's price to pay It's a system based on murder and the packaging of fear Swallowing of lies and the cranking of the gears They need us, we don't need them 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 They would have us work in the prison yard Train one of us to be the prison guard And we fight amongst each other as we grow paranoid With the heroin and television, there will fill the void But freedom lives forever and our aim is true The answer lives inside of you It's bigger than a war 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 You're tuned into the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ. That song is Ryan Harvey with It's Bigger Than a War. And that's right, folks. It is bigger than a war when it comes to talking about the weapons industry. They're not only about uh, killing people, blowing things up, and ruining our planet. It's also about uh, ruining our democracy with the corruption and all kinds of underhanded influence including a revolving door of personnel between the arms industry and uh, government bodies that are supposed to be representing us ordinary Australians that's what I've been talking about with Michelle Fay let's go back to that does the revolving door extend beyond just the government contracts it's interesting mentioning Brendan Nelson and Christopher Pine and then their involvement in the Australian War Memorial and Christopher Pine in universities and the way this kind of cultural influence beyond just Australia's military spending, the way that these same people are popping up in these other positions of cultural influence, is that something that's part of the worry about the revolving door as well? Um, that's an interesting question. I think yeah, it ha- it does have an influence. There are things like cultural institutions like the War Memorial. Um, of course, Brendan Nelson was very controversial as the director of the um, War Memorial because he was quite influential and quite aggressive in targeting weapon makers' sponsorships for the War Memorial. And it's now, of course, engaged in a $500 million expansion involving demolishing part of the existing building, which won architectural awards in order to expand, to be able to show more weaponry and war machines, basically. So in that sense, particularly the War Memorial, there is a large cultural influence. I haven't analysed this um, in detail, but a very large number of Australian universities now have agreements and partnerships with weapon-making firms. So Lockheed Martin is um, with Melbourne University. South Australia, of course, is a big Australian hub for um, the weapons industry. Both universities there, University South Australia and Adelaide Uni, are very, very deeply interlinked with the military industry. And Christopher Pine, of course, is a professor at um, University of South Australia. So, yes, there's, there's cultural links in that way, quite significantly so around the country, particularly in research, particularly with universities. So in Brisbane, there is a big uh, sales convention of arms manufacturers, the Land Forces Weapons Expo. Are there companies that are going to be at land forces that are part of this revolving door of personnel? 
Oh, yes, very much so. That's our biennial big weapons exposition in Australia, land forces for, for land. Um, there's also weapons expos that do air and sea as well. Um, you have various sponsors and companies associated with that. A big revolving door one, an interesting one, is called EOS, which is Electro-Optic Systems, but they mostly get called EOS. Um, that's an Australian company. Uh, it's based in Canberra. Uh, you might have heard of it because it's been in the news in the last few years because they are exporting now to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates despite the fact that um, the war in Yemen is going on and all the human rights atrocities there. So EOS is one example, a very good one, of revolving door influence because on its board now it has the former Chief of Army, Peter Lay, the former Chief of the Air Force, Jeff Brown, and also former ALP Senator Kate Lundy. So those three people, along with other executives from the company, are on the board. At the same time as being on that board, Jeff Brown and Kate Lundy are also members of the ACT government's Defence Industry Advisory Board. And in fact, Jeff Brown chairs that board. And Jeff Brown at the same time is also on the board of Lockheed Martin. So you can see <laughs> it's a very good example and of how um, you get senior, ex-senior military, all the contacts and experience they have move into industry, still working within industry, back into governments. And now that that firm in particular is controversial for exporting its weapon systems into the Middle East. Um, so that's one example of a company that's going to be in Brisbane. Who else have you got coming there? I think you've got Ryan Mattal, which has now set up a joint venture with Naya, which is a Queensland-based company. Um, on Ryan Mattal board is former Defence Minister Robert Hill, and also um, John Caligari, who was a very senior um, military officer and was involved in procurement as well. Have you got, I don't know if Lockheed Martin, they probably will be at um, Land Forces as well. So it has, as well as Jeff Brown, I mentioned, Amanda Vanstone, uh, former cabinet minister, is on the board of Lockheed Martin. Um, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, it does seem it's pretty common across the board. Yeah, yeah. What do we need to do to combat the this influence, which often goes quite unseen, but this influence of this revolving door of personnel? What measures do we need to take? Well, it really needs to be uh, much more closely monitored and regulated in some way. It's really a joke in Australia at the moment. It's very, very lax. Um, it's hardly covered at all. So the rules are for senior public servants and also military, I think there's supposed to be at least 12 months between when they finish their public uh, position before they move into industry. For a start, 12 months is nowhere near long enough, but even that is not being complied with well, we know, as you may remember, with Christopher Pine, he was virtually within weeks working with EY um, on their defence consulting side. 
Duncan Lewis that I mentioned who went onto the Tullys board after having um, been the head of ASIO, it was five months after he was the head of ASIO that he turns up at Tullys. Um, Peter Lay um, that I mentioned going onto the board of EOS, that was nine months after he left um, as Chief of Army. So even though one year is nowhere near long enough, um, even that isn't complied with in a great many cases. But what I believe um, we need to do is particularly for very senior people, so the Duncan Lewis's, Peter Lay, defence ministers, the door should just be closed completely. It just should not be possible for people who've occupied such senior positions uh, to do with national security in Australia to be able to move into industry. Other rankings, so the more down the scale you go, there could be like a sliding scale of restrictions for say five years for senior people down to two years or what have you and one year for middle ranking type people. But certainly it needs to be um, much more closely monitored and managed. Also, we need obviously, uh, and loads of people are talking about this, a federal ICAC, which would help um, monitor corruption, undue influence and those things. We really need a strong federal ICAC with some teeth to help monitor the relationships in this type of arrangement as well. Okay, thanks very much, Michelle. Thank you, Andy. That is Michelle Fay there talking about the revolving door between the arms industry and government and military in Australia. Certainly uh, something of concern in many ways when it comes to democracy and also when it comes to the influence that these companies have on our parliament when their interests are certainly not aligned with ours. If you're like me and you think that there should be less weapons in the world um, and less clever ways of killing people and invading other countries, then the growth of the arms industry is not something that uh, we should be supporting. So it's not every day that the biggest arms companies and a lot of small arms companies are uh, come to our front door here in Brisbane and we get an opportunity to go down there and tell them what we think of them and their business. So if you do want to come along to land forces and get involved in trying to disrupt it, make it difficult for them to uh, trade these weapons that are going to bring so much misery to the world, then get involved in Disrupt Land Forces. The website is disruptlandforces.org and it'll all be happening from 1st to 7th of October here in Brisbane, Mianjin, and there'll be lots of events and things like that to be a part of a great community that gets together to stand up for peace. And there is going to be uh, a public event on the 10th of September where you can find out all about it. Hey, a couple of other events around war that I want to plug. One of them is the big ride for Palestine. When we talk about militarized parts of the world, well, the West Bank and Gaza Strip are right up there. And of course, lots is happening there at the moment. And um, we need to support the self-determination of Palestinian people um, and their ability to live in peace. 
And so the big ride for Palestine is a national campaign to highlight the conditions of and raise money for women in refugee camps, particularly in the Borj El Brajna camp in Beirut, Lebanon. People are riding or walking and trying to raise money for it. You can go to bigride4pal.raisley.com if you want to help out or just search for Big Ride for Palestine. And one of our former uh, co-hosts here on the Paradigm Shift, Ian Kerr is going to be riding around town on his bike uh, for that and so you can support him. The other event that I want to plug is by the Independent and Peaceful Australian Network, which is sort of like a, a think tank, I guess, of um, people who are trying to talk about uh, demilitarizing or other ways of thinking about foreign policy and strategy and things like that. And there's a couple of people with long experience in um, defense strategy, Dr. Albert Palazzo and Dr. Mike Gilligan, who are going to be doing an online webinar about restructuring the ADF as a self-reliant force, concentrating on defense of Australia only and without foreign assistance. In other words, instead of being an extra regiment of the US Army, we'll just be protecting Australia's borders. Um, if you want to find out more about it, well, Independent Peaceful Australia Network is where to do it. It's happening on Wednesday, 24th of August at 6pm and you can find out all the info if you go to ipan.org.au. And that's it. If we want to make a more peaceful world when there's so many people trying for various reasons to get us to be fighting more wars, selling more weapons, then we've got to get together and make it a reality. And so I'll see you at Disrupt Land Forces. If you can make it, I'll certainly be there. Uh, that's all for the Paradigm Shift this week. I'm going to go out with one last song. I don't always get to play cheesy folk punk songs on this show, but this one's on topic. It's called Drive These Warlords Out by the Wild. See you next week. could see from outer space We'll know there's nothing brighter than a peaceful man's face We'll know that everyone's related in some kind of way And like family we'll love without understanding or doubt We'll plant a seed and help it sprout And we'll drive these warlords out We'll drive these warlords out Still blue.
تسکی 